in just a few seconds, we've got another amazing leader for you on Walking the Walk. But first, are you a member of the Sensei Leader Movement yet? And if not, why not? Your success as a leader is measured by one thing, the success of your people. And you're at your best when, and only when, you help your people perform at their best. Our mission is to help our members inspire, empower, and guide the people you lead to their very best. Our first level membership is free, always will be. Now, I don't want to keep you any longer from today's guest, so just visit slmjoinfree.com for all the benefits and join the Sensei Leader Movement today. You know, one of the biggest questions we're fielding around here right now is how do we lead in crisis? Well, today's guest will help us answer that question and even more. People who inspire, empower, and guide us to our very best. Leaders who are walking the walk. Your host, leadership activist, author, and founder of the Sensei Leader Movement, Jim Bouchard. You know, Bill Coletti, he's a reputation management expert. He's, he's an expert in crisis communication, professional development. Uh, he's a great keynote speaker. And this was cool, a Wall Street Journal risk and compliance panelist. Well, that's a mouthful. I want to hear more about that. His best-selling book is Critical Moments, The New Mindset of Reputation Management. And he has 25 years of global, global experience managing high-stake crisis, issues management, media relations, challenges for both Fortune 500 companies and winning global political campaigns. <laughs> so we'll get into all that. Today, he's here to help us understand a little bit more about leadership during a crisis. Now, Bill, I know a lot of your work centers on protecting reputations, you know, when things go wrong or when we do something wrong. It seems a lot of your work translates well to managing a situation that's just dropped in our laps, like the COVID pandemic and the fallout, of course, from our responses. So I'd like to kind of start there. And I know in your book, you talked a lot about this in relation to effective communication during a crisis. But, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about looking for similarities. You call it pattern recognition. You know, how does this crisis look uh, similar to some of the other situations we faced or you faced in the past? And how can looking for patterns help us right now? Well, thanks. That's a that's a great question. So, Jim, I'm looking forward to a to a terrific conversation. You know, I do believe that there's a there are a few key attributes of of the difference between great versus good um, communicators in a crisis. And one that you mentioned, you know, is that notion of pattern recognition. And and having done this exclusively for about 25 years now, is that you start to see square triangle circle square triangle pretty confident that it's going to be a circle. Where we find ourselves now in COVID-19 is really uncharted territory and, and unprecedented in a lot of ways. Um, we don't, you know, there's been a lot of rhetoric used to talk about this being a war and a mm. we're in a war footing and things like that. But, but even like that, there's a known enemy that you can see on the other side of the line. Right. Um, and we don't have that with this situation. So it is pretty unprecedented. We're making up a lot of decisions as we go. And so, you know, there there are some instances where in a food recall business where we've just got a chronic case of salmonella and we're trying to get to the bottom of it and we can't find out where it is. And we ultimately find out that it is actually, you know, in the drain in the main floor of our manufacturing facility. But it takes us three or four weeks to find that. That's the closest thing I've found to that. And even that is a very shallow um, comparison to this. This is truly unprecedented where we are now. But the pattern of getting into this crisis requires communication, communicating through the mushy middle, and then communicating coming back 
is pretty universal, and, and all three of those phases, regardless of the crisis, are important. So there are similarities, but this is truly an unprecedented time that we're in right now. now I appreciate what you're saying. It sounds like we're singing harmony because one of the things that we've been trying to explore is that while the, the particular situation is, is novel, you know, um, and that happens, right? We don't know really what the next what the next huge challenge. I mean, nobody knows what the next virus is going to be or when that asteroid is finally going to hit us, right? But the conditions are very familiar, aren't they? Um, I mean, we can all anticipate that there's there might be an interruption in, in revenue stream or that there are situations that may cause us to, to have to address people about layoffs and things like that, right? So is it is it more valuable, are we sing in harmony about this, more valuable to look at what the effects might be and anticipate those rather than worrying too much about what the particular cause might be? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. The cause the cause is 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 interesting and curious in a post mortem to be able to let's not let's not recreate the same challenges. <laughs> yeah, but I think absolutely and, and business any business, big, small, publicly traded, global or or neighborhood hates uncertainty. We like certainty. And certainty lets us plan. Certainty lets us predict. Certainly lets us use that pattern recognition that we reference. Mm. And so this is a very uncertain time because I don't know. And we see it with publicly traded companies that are changing their guidance. Um, and I think small companies are are also mindful about that, of, of what are we going to do next and what's it going to do to all those things you mentioned, revenue streams. So, yeah, uncertainty is very, very much a challenging situation, which what we argue is that you the, the ABCs is always be communicating, yeah. is that you don't have to have the answers and that as a leader, it is OK to be unsure of what to do next and tell your team, I'm unsure what we're going to do next. Here's my range of options and here's what we're considering. And then we use phrases and we, we suggest to our clients use phrases like our current best view, fill in the blank, yeah. or at this time we're planning um, because we can't really, I don't even know if we're going to have a Christmas party. And so, uh, or whether it's, whether that's going to be feasible. So reverse engineer from that. And so it's a, it is a really critical time, but the solution I believe is to always be communicating, always be engaging with your stakeholders right. mm -hmm. and have a conversation. Amen. We're, we're going to be great friends. I can tell already this because there are a couple mm -hmm. of things that you brought up right there. First of all, the idea, yes, leaders don't need to know all the answers. They need to be really good at formulating the right questions, right? And moving forward. When you hit the no new normal, I'm sorry, I, I laughed. I would want to make sure that you understood what my laughter was all about. Probably our most popular online workshop right now is something we call no new normal. I hate that ter term, the new normal. And it yeah. centers on a, on a strategy that we, we share around here called uh, be flexible, adaptable, and comfortable with uncertainty. And the spirit of full disclosure, I mean, I really learned this lesson the hard way as, as a drug addict and through my recovery from that. And how to look for opportunities in uncertainty, right? How to embrace that uncertainty because it's where all the, where all this change and disruption happens. In fact, now it's a very popular term, right? That people want to be disruptors. Some of the best leaders are they cause disruption to happen, but mm -hmm. still, like you said, it's interesting, isn't it? That while all that opportunity lies in that uncertainty and in that change, still as human beings, we're kind of hesitant. We're kind of scared of that uncertainty most of the time, aren't we? 
Oh, we absolutely are. It's 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 scary. It's the abyss. It's dark. Pick your pick your creepy metaphor <laughs> right. that you want to pick. Yeah. It's 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 uncertainty. And 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 being an entrepreneur, being a leader, is about placing bets and placing smart bets. Exactly. And and with this space that we're in right now, um, there is a there is a great um, there's a great opportunity for innovation. But there's also a great craving for consistency. And so that yin yang of innovation and consistency um, is I think that if we can frame the challenge is how do we use this opportunity to get better, improve ourselves, do something different. But how do we not freak everybody out and still do what they know us for and be consistent at the same time? And so there's a real yin yang that I think is a lot of our clients are looking at of how do we how do we do take advantage of the opportunity, change our business model, change our delivery model. But how do we still remain core to who we are, which is the core of consistency? It's amazing because as you start talking about that, I I can't help but go back. And one of the blessings of the work that we do is that, you know, I draw largely on my experiences in martial arts through the, and some of the great teachers that I had in that area that apply so nicely to leadership. And uh, Dr. Yang was one who talked about this a lot, that yin and yang that people talk about, you know, one of the most important lessons about that is that that symbol implies this, uh, that, dy- that life is dynamic, that it is always changing. That's what it's supposed to represent to us, right? That when we're looking for stasis, uh, we're chasing ghosts. Um, Absolutely. Right? And especially Absolutely. now, and we can't avoid this uh, as we're recording this, um, we're in the middle, I think, of the fourth day of the rioting over an incident in St. Louis, uh, where an officer killed a Minneapolis a black man, Minneapolis. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. St. Louis was the other one, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. And, yeah. And wow. What, what uncertainty so many entrepreneurs are facing right now. We're particularly sensitive to that because a lot of our members are entrepreneurs, small and, and, and mid-sized mm-hmm. businesses, especially. And we just talked to a couple this morning who are bracing for tonight's activities, right? Wondering what's going to happen. Are people going to smash into their businesses, destroy their businesses? That's, there's plenty of uncertainty to go around right now. There is. And we just did, I just did a blog post yesterday afternoon. I typically try to write something once a week, but something was on my mind. It was all relative to Blackout Tuesday that was going on yesterday. Mm. Um, and so many brands, and, and, and it could be small entrepreneurs, it's still a brand. It's not just right. mm-hmm. Nike and American Express. You can right. still be a small company brand, are struggling with what to say in this season. What do we yeah. say now? Thank you. Mm-hmm. And and Nike is all in on Colin Kaepernick and and it's working for them because it's not the first time they've been all in on Colin Kaepernick. And so they're all in on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so many other companies are are unsure of what to do because um, they don't want the backlash. They don't. Right. Uh, they don't. They, it's not maybe true to their core values. And that's OK. That's basically the punchline of my blog post is. You need to serve who you serve. Nike serves a different audience than most of us. All mm-hmm. right. They've got a different like that's like Starbucks, Patagonia level ethos. Most of us running small businesses and medium sized and even large businesses, we serve who we serve and we've got employees that we care about. The fact that, you know, Bill and Jim Incorporated cares about this topic, who really cares? Our customers care. Our employees care. Mm-hmm. So focus your messaging on them. And that's who you need to be talking to and you'll always be communicating. The fact that, you know, that that Bill and Jim Incorporated and our amazing B2B industrial supply company, we have an opinion on it. 
I guess that's important, but it really gets us into more trouble. If we then decide not to take a position on LBGTQ, we decide not to take a position on, on, you know, abortion, pick the topic that's there, which it's really, it's, it's not a bad position for companies to talk to who matters, but they don't need to talk to the world. And, it, and they don't really have to make a, a strong statement one way or the other either, right? I, and if I'm hearing you right, that implies that there is some danger, there's some risk, especially to reputation that way. Um, because even small businesses these days in, in most parts of the country, in most parts of the world that we deal with, uh, you know, have a diverse consist- constituency internally as well as externally, right? And you got to be very careful, I think, if you stake your ground ideologically, uh, you know, you can you can cause a rift within your organization, right? I mean, it's it's okay to sure. have your personal opinions, but if you stake the company's reputation on it, I guess is what I'm curious about. Yeah, aren't, yeah. You, aren't you leaving yourself open to a, a lot of a lot of trouble? Absolutely. So 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 my recommendation to CEOs and and leaders that we serve is just be real, man. That George Floyd should not have died right. for passing a counterfeit bill. That simply should not happen. Mm-hmm. And and I, if I'm a Republican, a conservative, or whatever, a liberal, Democrat, it doesn't matter. That's just not right. And mm-hmm. and I think most reasonable people would recognize that is not right. And if I want to share that with my employees, that's all within my right as a leader and, and probably a good thing. If I believe that the rioting is more is more or the protesting is more like rioting and looting and it's this this criminal force. That's okay to say that too, um, but then that gets into a little bit more subjectivity. Uh, so yeah, I, so I think the recommendation is you don't have to take a position on all of these things, even though society might or elements of society demand it. And if you do, it's not episodic. You got to decide to be in and really be authentic and really talk about these things. And that's what makes a Starbucks, a Patagonia, a Nike so powerful is that they live it and they own it. Um, and they don't just sort of bop in, bop out based on the cause celeb of the day. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, listen, we're going to bring up a, a, another can of worms on the other side, open up another can of worms on the other side of the break. We're going to do a quick break, and we're going to be back. This is Bill Coletti. And before we go to the break, Bill, let's make sure that people understand how to get in touch with you and how to get this wonderful book, Critical Moments. Yeah, great. So you can easily find us at kith, K-I-T-H dot C-O. That's our corporate website. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter at B Coletti, C-O-L-E-T-T-I. So um, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our company site's the easiest way to find us. Great. We'll be back in just about a minute with Bill Coletti. The research is bomb-proof. People perform at their best when and only when they know their leaders care, when they know their work has meaning, and when they have the chance to learn, grow, and develop. To accomplish this, we need to connect with the people we serve, the people who trust in our leadership. Leaders today need emotional intelligence, strong interpersonal skills, and an accurate sense of self-awareness. I'm Jim Bouchard, leadership activist and founder of the Sensei Leader Movement. The Sensei enjoys a very special relationship with students. It's one built on respect, trust, and loyalty. And these are also a leader's most valuable assets. I help you build these relationships. I work with you to help you inspire, empower, and guide your people to their very best. That's what the best leaders do, and that's what the sensei does. My job is to help you be the sensei, so you can lead your people to their very best, and yours. Executive coaching, workshops, corporate training. 
visit thesenseileader.com or call 207-751-4317 today to learn more. And Bill, let's tell people again how to get in touch with you. It's kith.com, K-I-T-H, right? K-I-T-H dot C-O is our corporate website. C-O. Okay, great. Yeah. And yeah. you're also easy to find on LinkedIn and all those other spaces too, right? Yeah, just Bill Coletti. Easy. There's not too many of us. Bill Coletti. C-O-L-E-T-T-I. <laughs> yep. There you go. Actually, I was looking for some videos of you and, and I happened on some uh, wedding <laughs> video that you... <laughs> I just recently got married, April 17th, to the there amazing Debbie. Congratulations. Absolutely. That thank was, you very much. Oh, that was pretty cool. Hey, there's uh, one, one thing as I'm as I'm uh, and I'm going to dig into this book. It's interesting. Uh, I don't always say this. You know, people say, oh, you always say that to me. No, I don't. Uh, I usually when I get a book like yours, I speed read it quickly. And I'm looking for headlines. I'm looking for areas that, you know, points that we really, really are syncing up on um, so that we can talk about. It. And if I don't like it, I'm not going to go back and read it. And yours, I'm going to go back and read in depth. I think I'm, I've already got a bunch of tabs in it. And it's going to be a good resource for us and one that we'll be able to recommend. But one point that you really hit, and it really strikes at, at one of the core principles we share around here, is this idea of learn by doing. Now, during this uh, crisis, you know, a lot of leaders have been asking us, how do we prepare? How do we prepare young leaders for this stuff? And I said, well, you're doing it right now. I mean, while you're in the middle of this, this is a tremendous opportunity, right, to learn, to grow and develop uh, under pressure. Uh, in real circumstances. Uh, is that kind of the point you you were trying to make, uh, you know, really taking advantage of situations like this? Yeah. So it's in the context of crisis simulations and right, an organization exactly. should do simulations and, and, and whether they be uh, a full-blown live fire exercise that we host where we're simulating so social media, we're simulating email, we're simulating reporter phone calls. So very much a this really live fire exercise or a tabletop exercise. That's the point is that you learn by doing. I was asked recently on, on what's the single best advice you can give an entrepreneur for crisis readiness. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's twofold. Just there's an equation that I have, but it, and, it, and it begins with this notion of mission of, of mission and values. What do you really stand for? So getting really clear on what you really stand for will really inform your crisis response. There are some structural things that you can do as well. But the thing that really the best practical advice I want to give to leaders and entrepreneurs is that your weekly, monthly, quarterly, whenever your staff meeting is, grab the Wall Street Journal or USA Today, look at a headline and said, if this had happened to us, what would we do? And I don't care yeah, what yeah. day, what day, what episode, what phase of the year that we're in, grab it. It'd be great if it's somebody that's in your same industry or somebody similar to you. Um, but just grab that headline and ask your staff meeting, what would we do? Have a 10-minute conversation about it, and you will identify a number of gaps about, well, does insurance cover that? Uh, I don't know. That's mm -hmm. a good question. Mm -hmm. Who's going to make this decision? Does the general counsel have to be in the room? Do we need to call our lawyer? Um, do we have a head of HR? Just, so all, just, just simply that exercise periodically, again, whatever the normal cadence is, weekly, monthly, quarterly. What if this had happened to us? What would we do? Yeah. You learn a lot. That's such a martial arts perspective because, of course, you know, we spend most of our life chasing each other around in pajamas, practicing situations <laughs> that we might, <laughs> not ever, might not ever face, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. And that's the point. And what's important about that, too, it's funny because something I used to try to imprint with my students is not to be hung by a particular technique. You know, the yeah. technique's a means for us to explore, like you're talking about with these, these uh, situations, these uh, simulated live fire drills, right? And we should mm -hmm. point out, too, to people, uh, I mean, we happen to be talking about these things during the COVID crisis and during the, uh, 
you know, the uprisings, uh, you know, with, with these with the police brutality responses. But it's uh, <laughs> what we're really talking. I know a lot of bills work, right? You're talking about sometimes the crisis that we manufacture for ourselves, right? Because again, oh, you said, you, right? You said looking at that Wall Street Journal, what would happen if fill in the blank? And even with best intentions, sometimes uh, good organizations and good leaders get themselves into trouble. I'm sure you've had some experience with that, right? Yeah, we look at that from a from the aspect of risk, and so we think about it in three different ways. There are strategic risks. Strategic risks are are things that companies decide to do for superior economic benefit. Right. So we decided to do this. We decided to use red dye number five, even though we shouldn't. Preventable risks, things that we should have a zero tolerance for. So if we're uh, in the food industry and we uh, metal shavings should not be in the hamburgers. That, that is a preventable risk and that should never, ever happen. And then there's external risk. COVID is an external risk. There's mm-hmm. nothing we could do about it. We certainly didn't do it for any strategic benefit. Um, hurricanes, force majeure, weather, major crime events, um, external crime events, not malfeasance uh, events. Those are external. So so we think that organizations need to look at all three of those differently because they all dictate a different type of response. And so if you're an industrial company and something blows up, um, that by definition is because more than likely of a strategic decision that you made, we are going to either do this or not do this, and the and it was preventable. So that really impacts and really changes the way the public views it and the way the public sort of um, either d- does or does not give you grace um, in your response. Yeah, no, and you know, there's a bunch of different factors there because. Of course, uh, and again, I was kind of referring to there's situations that, like as even the best leaders and the best organizations sometimes put their foot in it, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. It's, it's just something, ha- and then we have to recover from that. But also, you mentioned a little, well, you made a little allusion to it, um, the idea of facing the media. And it's funny because those of us, I mean, I, spirit of full disclosure, I kind of grew up in broadcast. And mm. then um, later on in life, you know, was in the entertainment business and then had a little foray into politics. So, you know, there's, it's a little bit different when you've been through that and you've seen it and you know how reporters are coming at you and whatnot. But even then it's, it's still a difficult place to navigate. Um, This is something I know you, you know, you help people with. What are some of the things that they should be looking out for? And again, yeah, let's, let's take advantage of the fact that we are dealing with some situations now that have a lot of controversy around them. And, you know, when people are making statements or they're reacting or responding internally and, and their people are responding back to them. I mean, it's a cycle, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it's a word that gets bandied around in my circles of authenticity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunately sadly become a beat up word. But I think the best folks that do media relations have crystal clarity on why they're doing what they do. They mm-hmm. understand mission and values and it's crystal clear. And then they also understand that their authentic point of view and they share that authentic point of view. Now, there are tactics of sound bites is that we want to deliver this in a, in a 45 second chunk, recognizing that only about 10 seconds ever going to get on the air. Right. Mm-hmm. We got to know that. So we can't explain, you know, the, the, the various permutations of a chemical cracking facility. We can't really go into all that detail. As interesting as that how might to be. Pack that. Right? Exactly. <laughs> as fascinating as that might be. We need to be able to sort of pack it into a pretty, pretty tight sound bite. So, yeah. Those tactics, how to bridge, um, how to give succinct sound bites, how to revert back to your core messages. Yeah, those are things that we t- train and teach and we work with people on. 
I, and again, I think that's a skill. One of the questions that's been coming up a lot lately with us is, you know, people, I have a huge emphasis on training. And we're back to this idea of, of finding comfort with uncertainty. I said the best thing you can do, well, you have to expose yourself to it for one thing. Um, the only way to develop comfort with uncertainty is to expose yourself to it. We have to make sure we're exposing our young leaders to it. Manage the risk, certainly, but uh, that's the only way to develop that. Same thing with courage. You know, but at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're caught in these positions where, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, you know, we have to respond the best we can in the moment. We have to pivot in the moment, right? Yep. And, and yet, th- we just can't be sure that we're doing the right thing at any given time. Um, and some of the best journalists, some of the best reporters, man, they're really clever at catching us in that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That moment where, geez, and you said it earlier, and I agree with you 100%, and I know research is behind this. Leaders that are able to express a, a degree of uncertainty are usually the best performing leaders, right? They're not mm-hmm. the arrogant people who have all the answers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just just food for thought. What, what do you... What, it's what can, take what the time to think about it. Just and, and, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, and it's to take the time to think about it. And so it's just, just just use this COVID experience is that we've got, you know, a handful of companies that we're serving and, and a couple of others that we're advising on the side. Two of two really great CEOs, CEOs that I've worked with in the, for quite some time now, um, big companies, these are billion dollar enterprises, sure. you know, have said to me, I never realized how important communications was hmm. until we went through this COVID situation because of the dynamism, because of the changing of it. Yeah. And these are good communicators. These are, these are, it's a man and a woman that can stand up and give a speech and tell a story. And they, they can tell the features and benefits of their products or service. Very, very articulate. Um, they can, they show care and concern for their team. But I think they didn't really intuitively understand the impact of their actions. Yeah. Mm. And now mm. they really get it. They mm-hmm. get it in this face of COVID. It's in, 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 in the, the, without being political, but the president and this administration and the leadership that we've had and the world that we're in right now has created confusion. I think we can all agree that we're in a little bit of a confusing world right now. Yeah. One of the places that I get to look for clarity is the leaders of my company or the leaders of my of my tribe. Um, And that's why those leaders have said, now's the time to really get good at this. And I said, well, there's no magic to getting good. Just tell people what's on your mind and and here's where we're going and here's how we're going to get there. And what made us great last year is going to make us great next year. Um, And we're going to find opportunities to innovate and we're going to find opportunities to be consistent. Uh, oh, so I, so it's it's clearly communicate um, and, and, and don't get hung up on every word needs to be perfect. We're an incredibly forgiving society. Yeah. Um, so that's proactively, I think, at a crisis response. Again, tactics, I can teach bits and pieces, but it all begins with really standing for something that matters. No, I hear you. And that, you, you answered you answered my question perfectly. I hope other people saw it the same way because the thing is, um, and to bring it to bring it back to full circle, you know, the question has been coming up. This emphasis on training and preparation. What should exactly? What should we be training? And I said, well, that isn't always as important as the fact that you dedicate time to training. That you set aside a t- you know set aside specific times, specific intervals that you're going to focus on training. You can fill in the what later on, and sometimes you have to respond very quickly and. And, and, you know, throw things in there that are unexpected, but you have to dedicate yourself to the time. And the inspiration part, wow, yeah, that's pretty interesting because uh, we get ourselves in trouble around here because we emphasize that word so much. 
you know, that a leader should inspire, right? People mm-hmm. are looking always for the grand in that, and it doesn't have to be grand. First of all, your your own example is the best inspiration ever, right? Yeah. And like you're saying, you know, to 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 take these these steps, these uh, just to be authentic, to express yourself uh, genuinely. Uh, that we don't realize sometimes how much inspiration that gives other people, right? And as leaders, it's magnified, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and it, you know, is is what's more inspirational. Mount Everest or a beautiful pond in rural Maine? Or the, they're both pretty. Ins- right? They're both yeah. pretty inspirational. The smile of a small child, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And yeah, Mount Everest is awesome. And if I'm yeah. the leader that can climb Mount Everest and come talk to my team about the overcoming all of the amazing obstacles, <laughs> or I can find inspiration in the smile of a small child, a, 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 you know, a small pond in the country. Right. That's okay. I can yeah. find inspiration in that. I, we do. We do not have to tackle, you know, wild elephants and, and climb high mountains just to be inspirational. Yeah. And, and the leader doesn't have to give the Martin Luther King speech all the time. right? It's not like, at all. Right. Yeah. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what's on my mind. We're in an uncertain place right now. My current best view is we're going to be back to 50 percent capacity in August. Just whatever the, that right? is just the fact that you took the time to address people and share that with them so and share yeah so before we wrap things up i mean he's i could listen to you all day bill but i do want to stray in, into politics politics a little bit because sure here's why one and again to see if we're saying we don't have to be singing in harmony mm-hmm. I, I love debate you know as well and, and constructively but um one of the criticisms i've had particularly over some of the governors and some of the mayors over the last couple of weeks was this I think they've dug their own hole sometimes. I call it the authoritarian slip. Now, there's times when people are looking for a little more command and control. That's that's for certain. But I think when we fall into that, we, we're all guilty of it from time to time. Got to be very careful. We start issuing orders and edicts, right? We haven't fully earned the trust and respect of people around us. Uh, that can be dangerous, and it can also cause us to be isolated. And that's really the criticism. I've seen when people are saying, well, why are some of these leaders acting in such a authoritarian manner? I said, well, I said, I'm afraid what's happened with a lot of them, and I understand why, but they've isolated themselves. They're not listening, particularly to the people who have, uh, who are maybe uh, the most oppositional. One beautiful story that came out of Wichita yesterday, where the police chief reached out to uh, some of the Antifa dis- uh, demonstrators, and at first it looked pretty confrontational, but th- it, long story short, ended up inviting them to a barbecue, and they <laughs> sat down. Now, can you imagine, right, the, the police uh, lieutenants, the police chief sitting down with these guys who they were going to do battle with and sitting over hamburgers and really having a productive conversation, really listening to them. That's what really impressed me when I, when I saw the story, that they really, truly listened. And, mm-hmm. man, what a difference that made. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. And, and, and so I think there was a moment in time in this COVID crisis, and, and I view, went back and looked at it, I think it's March 11th and March 23rd. Those two weeks or 10 days between March 11th and March 23rd, we needed clarity and command and control. We needed absolute mm-hmm. decisiveness in a very, very difficult situation of mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do to flatten the curve. I think that there was and is room for organizations and leaders now um, political leaders to come to come and say, here's what the path forward looks like. Mm. We have to remain vigilant, but we have to get back to work. 
and we have to return our business to normal. And so I think that they needed to clamp down for the public health, all the flatten the curve, all the public health aspects. But I think now is the time to really sort of do what's right, follow the science and be clear about that moving forward. And that requires the flexibility not to always be on a war footing. Because right. if, you know, if, if if we ran every situation as if we were in a war, it's not really good. You, you got to you got to fight the peace. You got to make peace. And so that's that. sort of what, what we're working on. That's where people are getting stuck right now is that they're trying to manage the coming back in a command and control way. And I don't believe it was it's working the way people wanted it to. It's hard to sustain, isn't it? But we can. Oh, get caught, we, right. We can get caught up in it. We really can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, with best yep. intentions sometimes. Absolutely. Very difficult. Very yeah. difficult. Bill, you've been a wealth of, of, of information. I mean, seriously, I hope you'll consider coming back and joining us again. My, Jimmy, my pleasure. I love what you do and, and what you share and the way you uh, uh, offer questions. So thank you very much. Oh, likewise. And, you know, the book is Critical Moments, The New Mindset of Reputation Management. And Bill Coletti, been a blessing to have you with us. Why don't you tell us one more time how people get in touch with you because I'll, I'll mess it up. Great. Our corporate <laughs> website, the company's name is Kith, K-I-T-H dot C-O. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, just at Bill Coletti on LinkedIn, B Coletti for Twitter, and then uh, email address is just B Coletti at Kith dot C-O. Pretty easy to find. There's only one or two Bill Colettis kicking around. Excellent. I look forward to learning from you again. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Walking the Walk. Please like and share. Our mission at the Sensei Leader Movement is to support and develop human-centric leaders, leaders who put people first, leaders who inspire, empower, and guide people to their very best. Be part of the movement. Join and access all our free resources by visiting thesenseileader.com. To book Jim or host your own event, call us at 207-751-4317. 